Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. Today we'll be talking about bully coaches and what they can do to the psyche of a high school player, no matter how talented that player is. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Pod Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Also, be sure to check out our team-focused NBA podcasts, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Knuck If You Buck, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grinjinski and today we're talking to the head coach of the boys varsity basketball team at Olmstead Falls High School in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. And he's part of the Hoopheads Mentorship Program, Chris Delisio. Coach Delisio, thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's an honor to be on. I really appreciate it. Well, Coach, I've admired your work for a while now. I've had a nephew and a niece go through the Olmstead Falls schools. I still have a niece in the district and some friends whose sons have played for you. So I'm very familiar with your program. And you played at Olmstead Falls. You spent 11 years there as an assistant. And you've just finished up your 11th year as head coach. And now, folks, listen to this resume. Two conference championships, three second places, two third places, five sectional championships, one district championships where they lost in the regionals to Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Yes, that's LeBron James's school. Coach Delisio, my first question for you is, how do you do this year in and year out? Uh, Tough question, Dave. I mean, you know, it's one of those where, you know, I think it's like anything else. You don't, um, I don't think with anything in your life that you want to be successful at, you sit down and you go, okay, how can we be good for 10 years or 11 years or 15 years or 20 years? Um, you know, it's all those day by day, small decisions that you make, um, with a bigger picture in mind. I think, you know, we've always said that, you know, we always want to be successful. We always want to run a great program and, um, 
you know, ultimately when you get into coaching and you think you want to be a head coach, that's the ultimate goal. Um, but like I said, you know, big things are not accomplished by just setting out and saying we're going to do big things. It's really those day-to-day operations that you you really dive into. And, you know, I think in our program, we take a lot of pride in those day-to-day operations and, you know, the small things that are really big things that you try to do each day that really kind of are, you know, when you look back on 11 years, you go, oh my gosh, the time has flown. And, you know, you kind of look back and you go, man, we're proud of a lot of the stuff that we've done. And, um, you know, aside from any, you know, championships or, or places that we've got, um, you know, I think we're really proud of, of kind of what we represent. And, and most of all, the kids have gone through our program because um, we've, we've just had some really awesome kids who've really gone on to do some great things, um, you know, in the real game of life. So, you know, I think that's what we're most proud of. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing that impresses me most about the Olmstead Falls program coaches. It is a total package. And, and let's, let's, t- let's take me back to, to kind of the beginning, you know, when, and whether it was as you were, as you were still playing or when you, when you were an assistant, at Olmstead Falls, when did you start to f- kind of form your coaching style? You know, I think as an assistant, you, you're you really trying to find your way and you're trying to figure out who you are. When um, And then when you're an assistant, it's also influenced a, a, a lot by what program you're a part of, you know. And, um, you know, I coached under Pat Donahue, who I played for, and he, you know, we obviously had an outstanding program before I became the head coach, uh, you know, he had set the tone a long time before me going back to my playing days, uh, just as far as what bulldog basketball was about. Um, and then you kind of carry that into your coaching. And then as you coach, you're not only learning the coaching aspect of it, but you're learning really who you are as a coach, because you don't, you don't necessarily know as coaches. Um, I think, you know, there's this combination of kind of maybe coaching how you were coached and then, but also, what fits your personality. And during that 11 years, I was, I was trying to figure out who I was as a coach and kind of, you know, as you do that, you figure out what works and what doesn't work and and what you're best at as a coach and what your strengths are and definitely what your weaknesses are. So, you know, I think that whole process kind of led up to, you know, when I became the head coach and even at that moment, it's, it's certainly not perfect and you certainly make mistakes, but you go in. And I think for most, you know, head coaches who are assistants, they have all these ideas and you, you want to do everything. And, and, you know, because you come up with all these ideas over the course of 11 years. Um, and then when you're finally in that position, you know, you try a lot of things and some things are great and some things stick and some things don't. So definitely a feeling out process during that time period of, of you know, going from player to assistant to head coach. How different is your style now compared to let's say your well, let's say your first year as varsity head coach so i think early on um you know first of all when you're younger i think you're just more hard driving um maybe because you don't well i guess maybe you have more energy but i think that you don't totally understand um all the parts that would make your, your basketball team good or great in a given year or the program. Um, when I was a JV and freshman coach, you know, we, we really just, you know, my thing and, and coach Don Hughes thing was always, we're just going to out effort you. 
and that will always be a staple of our program and you know because it works and when you're like a jv coach you could you could out effort most teams that you play because the talent level at the jv level is just really pretty even or else they wouldn't be jv players so you know that was a big part of my development as a jv coach is i learned that you could just get your kids to play harder than the other team and you're going to win a lot of games at that level just just because of that. When you get to the varsity level, so and and even like moving through my varsity career, that's still that's still true. It's just not always as true because talent is such a big part of it. You know, scheme stuff becomes a part of it as well. Um, so I guess there's more to it. So I think as as I've grown as a head coach, I think that trying to combine those two things you know, is really the, the chemistry, the thing that you're trying to figure out every year as a coach is what works schematically with the team that you have. Um, and then, but also keeping that idea of just having that effort all the time. Was team culture always kind of a part of your coaching style? Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. Um, I've always been a Duke basketball fan and I, I know they're not the favorite team of of a lot of people. There's a lot of people happy today because the blue devils are out. Um, but I've always been a coach K admirer. And if you read any of coach K's books or you really study coach K, he's a big culture guy. So, so as I, you know, came up through the ranks and, and, and developed as a coach, I do a lot of reading and a lot of stuff about, um, you know, some of the things that coach K's done with his team and, and how, you know, you can you can certainly get the all Americans every year, but gelling those guys together is such a culture thing, and you have to have that ability as a coach to you know not only get the best out of your team, but make it a valuable um, and enjoyable experience for your players. You know, which is really what it's about. Well, one of the things that that impressed me with you was two years ago when you went to the regionals. And that team was full of seniors, so you lose a lot of seniors. And uh, or I guess it was three years ago now. Now that we're in the season, so so then you come back, and the cupboard looks bare. But what you did is you played the young guys, and you just showed the confidence in the young guys. And I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think because because this is the way I'm looking at it from a coaching perspective. You say, look, we'll take our lumps this year, but we're going to be better for it next year, and Sure enough, you were because you just missed out on a, on another conference championship this year. Kind of walk me through that, the thought process when uh, when you lost all those seniors and you knew you were going to be very young that year. Yeah, I think, you know, you always try to have an eye towards the future. Um, but at the same time, you're also trying to you're also trying to be conscious of the players in your program who've put the work in. And even though we went with some young guys, you know, last year or, or, you know, I, I guess we'll say two years ago now, um, we still had a senior group that had a great group of kids and they had put a lot of work in. And those guys deserve to have the best senior year that they could possibly have as well while keeping an eye on what was best for the program. So it's this like, you know, it's this dance of, you know, which it is every year. It's this dance of, what's best for the kids versus what's best for the program and trying to mesh those two things is one of the toughest jobs that a coach has 
you know, because at the end of the day, you care about the kids. It's, it's not necessarily just only about trying to win games or, um, you know, add to a resume or anything like that. It's about the experience that these kids have coming through your program. And, um, so we were trying to balance those two things and, and, and really it wasn't necessarily just about saying we're going to go young because the cupboard is bare. The young guys that we played were talented. You know, they had earned, earned the right to play. So, you know, in our program, that's something we talk about all the time is your age has nothing to do with, you know, your playing time or what you get, just like it doesn't, you know, it's not going to at your job. You're going to earn the things that you deserve. Um, so those young guys did deserve to be out there. How, the, you know, and, and you, you talk, you, you touched on it a little bit here, but how important is communication? between you and your players, you know, to, in order not only, I mean, to form this, to form this culture, but then to, to keep this culture going, it, how important is it for everybody to be on the same page? It's, it's the most important thing. It's, you know, we spend a lot of time talking and we spend a lot of time talking as a team. Um, we spend a lot of time talking as a program. Um, the, the communication in our program is, is not, me to varsity or, or me to high school. It, it's me to, you know, middle school. It's me to our youth coaches, our youth programs, our youth summer camps, you know, and, and really kind of setting the same culture in all those different areas is, is one of the most difficult things for a coach to do because they, you know, they have so many levels that they have to worry about. So we communicate a ton and that communication is always honest and direct and um, but always coming from a good place. And I think that that's the thing that coaches um, have such a huge responsibility to do is to just keep that open and honest communication um, about what your culture is. And so that the same message is always being sent. What what types of things have you changed over the years? Are there things where you look back to the beginning of your coaching career and you say, boy, yeah, I, I, I really wish I didn't do that, but I'm glad I learned from it and I'm better for it. Do you ever look back and, and think about some of the things that you did that, you, that you're not very fond of? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I was a little bit more hard driving early in my career. You know, it was um, – and, and not to say that I was a mean guy, but it was just – I guess, um, I guess I have the same expectations today. I just maybe verbalized them a little bit differently earlier in my career. You know, um, I was maybe more of a yeller early in my career, um, where today I'm more of a, a, a talker, you know, and I'm going to pull a kid aside and, and, and whisper criticism. You know, you, you always hear those, you know, that, that phrase to, you know, shout compliments and whisper criticism. And, um, and not that I ever berated kids early in my career, but I was definitely more of a yeller to my team, you know? And, um, you know, I think that I've, I've done a better job as the years gone have gone on of, of maybe calmly voicing my expectations. And, and, and I think my team would agree that that doesn't happen a hundred percent of the time. Um, but I think that I've done a better job, you know, as I've gone through my coaching career of maybe, um, being a better communicator and setting a better example, really, which is what you want for the kids. You want to set a better example of how you can, you can communicate expectations to people in the correct way. I, I think the other thing that uh, is a, is a major challenge for, for coaches 
nowadays is the fact that, you know, as great as the technology is to allow us to to do this podcast today, um, kids don't communicate the same way uh, as, you know, back when, you know, whether we were playing or think back to, you know, 22 years ago when, when you became an assistant coach. Talk about that. I mean, do you adjust your, have you adjusted your style to, to communicate just based on the, the world we live in? I have a bit, but we've also, so like, you know, I think one of the nice things with like, for instance, a, a small example is just text messaging, you know, is that you could send, you know, you can send some, some good text, which is a quick, easy way to communicate with kids that they respond to, you know, whether it was about, hey, great game tonight, loved your effort, that's as hard as I've seen you play, you know, and something small like that goes a long way to a kid, you know, and, and doesn't necessarily put them in a position where they have to have that that kind of, you know, face-to-face interaction that, like you said, kids are, are just aren't doing as much anymore. Um, but with that said, we do still force our players to communicate verbally because it's still needed in the world. We can talk about technology and how it's improving and how, um, you know, we're on more Zoom meetings or whatever. And, and that's that's some of the way of the business world. Um, but the bottom line is the best relationships out there are still face to face and they're still having conversations with people face to face. And, uh, you know, we've had plenty of kids in the last handful of years who that's been one of their goals, you know, is just to become better at, at interacting with adults, having conversations and, and things like that. And, you know, we want all our players to become the best versions of themselves that they can be. And for some of those kids, it involves effort or changing their shot or being a better ball handler, um, maybe being better academically in the classroom. Um, but for some of those kids, it's learning to communicate with adults a little bit better um, in those uncomfortable moments. So, you know, it's something that we still ask our kids to do um, because it's needed. Well, I'm a big positive psychology guy where, you know, when I and when I coached, you know, my kids when when they were small all the way up through, like I, I always tried to, to focus on the strengths of a kid and and. Honestly, I really didn't know that was a thing, and then I started doing some research on it, and I'm like, oh, that, like that's actually a thing, <laughs> you know what, you know what I was doing, you know, because you have a kid, and like I think the kid, you know, kids typically know what what they're not good at, and I'm not saying you don't, you know, you don't coach them up, but but the you know the the positive psychology you know works where you coach up all the kids' strengths, and they all kind of come together, and you can hide some of those weaknesses. Do you employ some of that in your coaching? Oh, for sure. You have to. Um, I mean, you got to find, you know, there's so many values to making sure your kids know what they're good at. Um, not only to to allow them to have that role on the court where they can be um, a value to your team, you know, so they have confidence in what they're doing, but so that they go out on the court and they play with a level of confidence that can allow them to be successful, you know, because no kid – no kid's going to go out there and be successful if they don't have confidence in themselves. So you have to make sure that you're talking to kids about what they're really good at and encourage the things that they do really well. Um, and then, like you said, you're still going to coach some of those things that you want them to get better at. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need your kids to play really, really confidently and, and know what their role is. 
Well, and that's another one of the things that impresses me about about you and your program. Like it, it there are like bodies flying everywhere <laughs> during one of your <laughs> games. I mean, there there are kids going in and out sometimes four or five at a time, you know. It's it's you know, but the, to me that's refreshing to see because that's a coach who no matter what situation you are in, you're going to look down your bench and and you can you can look at everybody and say I have one hundred percent confidence I can put that player in. It, do you have that sense with your team? Yeah, I do, and and we have you know we are very fortunate. Our our um, coaching staff at the high school does a great job of developing players. Our our JV coach Dan Bingley and our freshman coach Tom Jabot. These guys do such a great job of getting our guys prepared and. Um, so it's a luxury once they get to the varsity level that guys are prepared. And, and that doesn't mean that they're all uber talented and can do everything, but they more than likely have figured out what their strengths are by the time they get to us. And, and we you know, do exactly as we talked about. We hope that they play on their strengths um, and they understand what's expected of them. So, you know, and we want to be, you know, we want to be a program that that plays a lot of guys and that, you know, that doesn't always happen. You know, it, it, it's just not not always the case. Um because you don't always have a roster like that, but we've been pretty fortunate in the past that we have had kids who who understand how to play and they understand what their strengths are. And then, you know, I think it's more fun for kids. I, I think that, you know, um, it's fun for, for kids to know that, that they, you know, they have a chance to get in the game and, and our guys know that, Hey, the minutes are not equal. And, you know, we played 11 this year for the most part, every game. And, you know, but, Nine, ten, eleven may only be in the six to eight minute range, and you know they know their job is to make that the six to eight best minutes of their life. And um, but we have great kids who who are you know unselfish and and don't talk to me about playing time and things like that. They just are so so happy to be part of a team, and and uh, you know that's where we're really fortunate. Well, and and I think, coach, like this is this is where where you get buy in when when every kid knows their role whether it's defensive stopper whether it's three and d whether it's you know i just need you to go in and hit a free throw whatever it is and i'll tell you one one thing happened during i mean my coaching career trust me is nowhere close to you know what what you have accomplished you know but i I was coaching it was my son's 13 year old baseball team and we had a kid who was a fill-in he filled in on the team and we're we're in the playoffs and a long story short he wasn't going to start that game because we were at full strength but he was there and and i told him i said here's the deal you're going to pinch hit. Don't know exactly when or where, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a big spot and we are going to need you. And so he sat there with the bat in his hand and sure enough, it was a big spot. It was a close game. You know, it was, it was a pitcher's duel. You know, we had a runner on second base and we pinch hit this kid. And sure enough, he drills a double, gives us the lead. He's excited. The parents are excited. Everybody's going crazy, but I look back on that so many times because I think if I didn't have that conversation with him before the game, I don't know if we get the same result. Have you experienced things like that in your coaching career? Oh, for sure. You know, you 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 know, you have kids that maybe don't get a lot of minutes and then all of a sudden you maybe get foul trouble, you maybe get an injury, you know, you have a game where, you know, they get the call and then they just step up. You know, we had a kid, um, you know, a handful of years ago by the name of Walt Moore. And Walt was just as as great of a young man that you could ask for. I mean, he, he didn't 
he played as hard as he could play every second he was on the court. You know, he didn't do a ton on the offensive end because he was super unselfish. He knocked down a three once in a while. Um, and I remember a game kind of similar to what you're talking about, where we had some guys, you know, in some foul trouble, and he just he just stepped up and had a tremendous game. And, you know, it's those kinds of kids that you need your program to, you know, to kind of stay um, with the level of success that you want. But, Coach, it starts with the culture. And in order to get that buy-in, you know, it, it, it's everything. It's the culmination of everything we've been talking about here, the communication, the culture. And the kids know exactly, you know, what their role is and what's expected of them. And and to me, you know, especially on the high school level, and, and because like, and, I, and I've said this a, a number of times, but it's like, to me, the psyche of these, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids is very fragile. And, and I think it could go, you know, it could go one way or the other very quickly. But if coach is honest and, and, and communicative with their players and they deliver on what is talked about to me you've got the buy-in and now that kid's running through a wall for you I mean what's your thoughts on that yeah you're I mean you're 100% correct I mean it's a you have to make sure that everybody is on the same page and when I say everybody I mean everybody it's it's the players it's the coaches it's the parents you know Um, we talk with our parents a lot about what messages you know the their kids are going to hear um, what messages that we hope are being talked about at home, what the expectation is. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's like this, you know, you're putting everything in there to get the great result. And, you know, but you're not going to have it. If you think kids are going to guess their way to that culture and that mindset, you're wrong. They're going to actually guess their way the opposite of it because there's too much, um, and not inherently out of a kid, but there's too much selfishness in, in sports. You know, there's too much, you know, there's too much of the, you know, unfortunately the NBA kind of mindset, you know, these guys going, you know, about them, about their contracts, about, you know, those sorts of things that, you know, there's too many other things that kids can hear as far as examples of it being about them. Um, so if you're not, if you're not really intentional uh, about, continuing to get that culture and that mindset across to them um, you're definitely not going to get it let's talk about you know you mentioned parents and I agree and I've you're you're you know I'm, I'm hearing this a lot from from the coaches I talked to there are three facets to this let's talk about some of the you know the kind of the off the court things that that are involved with developing a successful program with a culture like yours, like whether it's, you know, I, I don't know, do you, you know, do you have movie nights or what, you know, like some of those, you know, things that are just not basketball related, but so important to developing a winning program. Do you have some of those things? We do. We do. You, you know, obviously you try to plan for team activities that involve basketball, whether that's, you know, team camps where you're staying overnight you know, even like all day shootouts where your guys get to hang out together and those kinds of things. But we've always been a program that's tried to mix in different things. Um, you know, if we go to a holiday tournament and things like that, you know, we're taking the guys bowling. We're um, we're going out and doing some things. Um, in the summer, we have a little golf outing with our guys and, you know, just sorts of things that can keep them all together. And the more, the more you can try to work at team culture and team cohesion, um, all that stuff's going to pay off when it comes time to, um, 
to get on the court together. So, you know, everything that we do is together. Our workouts are together. Our, you know, there's nothing that we, you know, we really want our guys to do individually um, or away from our team. And, you know, when, when you're doing all of this stuff, it's almost like you're, you're forming that brotherhood, right? You know, that, that whether, you know, whether they're all on the court or off the court, you know, that brotherhood is all, all, you know, it's there all the time and it's, and it's like a family atmosphere and everybody's got everybody's back. Right. And, and, you know, and everybody understands their roles again, it go you know, it kind of always goes back to that. Everybody being on the same page. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you know, you know, when you, when you want to get in a situation in the season where you're going to play in the games you want to play in, um, and that's a phrase we use all the time, you know, games that you want to play in, you know, which are championship games or games for first place, whatever it is we want to say. I mean, inevitably, you're going to be in moments that are really difficult. You're going to be in moments that are high stress. You're going to be in moments that, that test whether or not you're together as a team. And if you haven't prepared like anything else, like if you haven't prepared to rebound the ball or if you haven't prepared for anything else on a basketball court, if you're not prepared for those moments when your cohesion is tested, um, you're going to fail at it. So, you know, it all goes into it that you're trying to prepare and, and you want your guys to have been together in the off season, been together in workouts and really realize like, yeah, we're all working towards the same thing. So when those moments hit in those games, um, your guys feel a level of confidence that, you know, they've been together, they've been there before. Um, and that team you talked about a couple of years ago, you know, that went to the regionals, you know, those guys were so together. Um, and, you know, part of that was just them growing up together and, and always being in those moments and being able to handle it. So, you know, there was no doubt in my mind when we got in a really tough situation, those guys always came through because they had that experience, um, you know, not only in high school, but before that. Well, and I think that it's that trust, right? That, that they form sure. with each other, you know, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's that critical, critical time where, you know, the clock's running down, you know, we're down two, you know, and I got a good shot, but there's my teammate who I know is a good three point shooter in the corner wide open. So I'm going to pass up a good shot for a better shot because I trust him to make it. And boom, you got yourself a win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thousand percent correct on that. So, you know, we, 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 just to go back to the parent thing again, and I know, you know, and I know how this, you know, your program is built. What are some of the things the parents get involved with, with like some of the off the court team culture things that your parents do? Uh, you know, our parents have been awesome about, um, I guess maybe about five years ago now, they started to hold, uh, team dinners at their houses. Um, and the seniors parents would basically like pass it around or really the varsity parents would just like pass it around from house to house and we would just go to somebody's house, um, each week and we just do them on Thursdays and, uh, and, and boy, it really, really had a positive impact on our kids and, and I kind of underestimated how great of an impact it would have. But, I mean, we would just go and eat. And, and don't get me wrong, the food was great. That was the first starting point. It was great food. Um, but then, like, after the game the parent, or after we would eat, the parents would, would plan games and things like that or contests and stuff. And, and just to have our coaches and our players in that informal setting all together, you know, at one of the kids' houses um, was just such a fun thing for the kids. And, and 
and really great for the coaches too. You, you know, we got to interact with the parents more and, and get to know them and be in their houses. And um, it just was a really cool thing. So um, I give a lot of credit to the parents who started that and it's kind of continued, you know, this year was kind of an outlier. We weren't able to do them like that this year. Um, but it was just a really positive thing for our program. You know, and it's funny because as you're talking, it gets me thinking, you know, when I was coaching AAU and we'd go, you know, out of town on these tournament trips or whatever, it's like when when the kids start talking about, you know, those days, a lot of times you don't hear them talking about the games. You hear them talking about all of the other things, like the time we got back to the hotel and the pool was closed. So they all decided to try and cram into, you know, somebody had a hot tub in their room. So they all tried to, you know, cram into the hot tub, you know, uh, like, 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 like those kind of off the court things that have such a tremendous impact on a team. And, and as a coach, like, at the time, you don't even think anything of it, you know, but then when you look back on it, it's like, man, that's where those brotherhoods are formed. Do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one thing that, you know, kind of going back to that question you asked earlier about how I've gotten better as a coach. Um, that's one of the things that I've learned over the years that kids, you know, kids have memories of things that definitely include the games, but for sure include the time with their teammates. I mean, that's the most important thing that's going on here is these guys are playing sports, A, because of their teammates and their friends and the fun of it. And I don't think we can ever lose sight of that as a coach, that that's, that's the number one thing here. Um, and then if we kind of take that and build off it with the basketball aspect of it, you know, then I think that you have something that's really special and you know, these guys remember, you know, we've talked to our alumni and stuff after, you know, they'll be 23, 24 years old. And I was, you know, like a coach, you remember when you said, and, and you're sitting there thinking, no, I don't remember it, but I'm glad you remember. And thank God you remember. So like something's working here and, you know, they may not remember every possession in a game um, or some of the drills that we did or things like that, but they remember the experiences. And, and I think that's, that's another thing for a coach to remember as you keep your culture where you want to keep it. Um, because this is, this is the experience for these guys. Well, I, you know, I got, I have to go back and find this quote, but I read a quote a couple of weeks ago, something along the lines of like, if, if, a, if a player doesn't remember you as a coach, you know, like, like 20 or 30 years later, whatever it is, you know, that's not a good thing, you know? And, 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 <laughs> and so, and I'll have to get the exact quote, but, but to your point, because, and honestly, it's funny. Cause I experienced this like back in the day, even like when I was, I was in college, I was coaching a, a 13 year old baseball team it was part of my job, but like, I would have like the kids, the, the kids came back to me like, man, you know, we got to high school and we didn't realize like you were showing us the stuff like we kind of needed to know in high school. Like that made me feel so good, you know, to get that feedback from them. And so, you know, to me, I, I think, you know, I'm sure you probably hear this, you know, on a daily basis based on, you know, just the, the culture you have built and the program that, that these kids are going through. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's the rewarding part of it. And, and, you know, you wish, um, you wish you knew more about how you impacted kids and, and, you know, when they get older and, um, but you hope there's that realization, you know, I, I, I remember being like 20, 21 years old and having that realization of like, man, my parents were right about all the stuff that they told me, you know, and, and you hope that that kind of happens with your players where they go like, man, I'm like, they all, all of a sudden consciously realize that their 
doing the same exact things at their jobs that you always ask them to do in your program. You know, the hard work and the, um, the great communication and, and kind of like fighting through obstacles or whatever it happens to be, you know, you hope that you at least have a little bit of impact on them when they go out into the real world with your culture. Do you find, and, you know, and, and you mentioned it too, like, like honestly, the, the, really the point of this is to have fun. Do you, are, are you able to, when you look back on it before, were you having fun before and are you having fun now? I think I've learned to really embrace the experience more as a coach than I had earlier in my career. And I think that, you know, when you're, when you're an assistant and you want to be a head coach, the first thought is like, I got to prove myself so that I can become a head coach. Um, and then once you become a head coach, there's a, and, and I, and I think every head coach would agree with this because, you know, coaches get into coaching partially because they're competitive, you know, and, and, and you love to win and you love all that. And so when, when you're starting out early in your career, you, you really feel like, man, I want to prove myself because you don't even know if you're good enough to be a good head coach. You know, you can, I think there's always those doubts until you prove it to yourself. And so I think that early in your career, it's, it's maybe in the back of your mind, even though you're trying to do it the right way, but there's still that idea of, I really want to win because I want to prove myself. And I think the more I've coached, I think the less I care about winning and the more I care about just the process of every day, just doing things the right way and having a positive impact on our kids. That is a, uh very refreshing to hear and i have to tell you like i had a conversation with um ken rector the head coach at the, he's a bar, the girls varsity coach at, at barberton high school who had this storied career as the boys head coach mm-hmm. there out in barberton and you know and when and as i was talking to him he's like man he's like coaching the girls is so much different it's it's almost you know it's like it's like relaxing because the girls like they'll lose a game and he's like the next day like it's almost like the game didn't even happen and he's like he's he's learning from the girls because he wish he wishes he would have had some of that back when he was coaching the boys because the loss would would hit him so hard you know and then i'm sure you know it's, it probably transferred a little bit to the team and, and and to the kids and you know and he looked back on that you know and he thought man he's like i, I wish i could take some of that back a little bit because coaching the girls is just such a different experience i mean is that is 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 that kind of where you're at? And I just think, you know, as you know, with that experience, you step back and you look and it's like, really, it's, 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 it's not as, as a big of a deal, you know, as, as I thought it was years ago. That is a struggle every single year for me. And only because, you know, there's always that fine line with anything between really caring and being, you know, maybe hurt is not the word, but obviously disappointed in, you know, your, your team's performance or, or your performance as a coach or whatever it is. So I think it's such a fine line to, to really be able to handle those emotions of not being as successful as you want, but understanding that the scoreboard doesn't tell the entire story. And, and really, I think even though I still will take our losses hard or I'll take our, our lack of success hard what I've done a better job of is really putting in perspective why, what I'm upset about. Um, and what I mean by that is it's, it's certainly not a, 
boy, we lost, so I'm upset, and or boy, we've won, so I'm happy. And it's just so kind of process driven that we've had moments where we have won, but it, our team just wasn't who I wanted us to be. And um, and actually, a matter of fact, that team that went to the regionals, it's kind of a kind of an interesting story about them is. We were winning early in the year. You know, I think we were 9-0, and 10-0, 11-0. I don't know what it was. No, actually, we had a loss early in the year. So we were 10-1 and or whatever it was. And I honestly thought we were just not not a great 10-1 and team. I, I thought that we um, – I really wasn't happy with kind of who we were as a basketball team. You know, we had, we had spent some time um, – I didn't think we always gave as much effort as we should have, I thought that we were talented. And so we would, you know, we had a lot of games or, or we had a handful of games where we would be up 20, 25, and we just kind of let the team whittle it down to 12. And then we'd just kind of turn it on. And I knew I had a team that just was like choosing when to turn it on and turn it off, you know? And then by the same token, we were, you know, we had guys that were like complaining to the officials a little bit. We were doing things that didn't agree with the, like it wasn't the culture that we had preached in our program. We were doing things that are um, away from our culture. So in that moment we were winning, but as a coach, I wasn't satisfied with our, with our basketball team. And we actually had a real heart to heart sit down um, one day and talked about how, you know, the things that we were doing were not who we wanted to be and getting back to our culture and who we really wanted to be. And, and I said, we're concerned too much with the scoreboard. You know, we're, we're concerned with winning and, and you can win the wrong way, you know, and, and we don't want to do that. Um, we want to do things the right way and let the scoreboard take care of itself. And our goal from that point on was to just stop caring about winning. We just stopped worrying about the scoreboard and we just really focused on every possession and every day and actually some some off the court stuff we just said and, and not that we had bad kids off the court we had great kids off the court but we 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 made it more about kind of like being the best people we could be on a daily basis whether it was in school whether it was on the court with our interactions with um the officials or our effort or whatever it happened to be and and that was a real turning point for us i think our guys you know you know, they were so excited about being seniors and they were so excited about winning and they wanted to achieve all these things that they got sidetracked a bit. And we had to go back to our culture and we had to take a step back. And, you know, I think it's those kinds of experiences as a coach that shape you, that keep your focus on the right things and the process at hand. So even today, I still try to do that each time, whether we win or we lose, we just focus on that, that culture and the process and being able to handle, you know, how you feel after each game or each season, whatever it is. And this is why I, I felt you would be the perfect guest for this podcast, because that is exactly what we're talking about here. You take the positive psychology. You're, you're a coach that said, we don't care about winning because you know, in the back of your mind that if you stick to the culture and you stick to, to what you're about off the court, that it's all going to fall into place and the wins are going to follow. And that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, that's exactly the way it was. And we, you know, I think we, um, I think that was a good thing for our kids and hopefully a lesson that they, you know, they take with them that it's just, everything's process driven. So let's talk a little bit about the, the mentoring program you're involved in with, uh, Hoopheads. So talk about the mentorship program. 
Yeah, you know, it's just getting underway. And, um, you know, we we have a great group of coaches who, you know, at the end of the day, really what it's about is being able to try to help other coaches and um, and hoping that we get some interest from people who just want some of the, you know, I think the tidbits and the and and the experiences that we've all had to be able to try to help coaches when they've, you know, they're experiencing some things that you sit and go, you know, I think we all remember as young coaches going, man, how the heck do I handle this? And, you know, that's, there's so many pieces and parts to being a high school basketball coach. And, and it's, it's such a demanding job because you're, you know, I mean, I always think like, boy, if I were to go be a college coach, my job would get so much easier. And that kind of sounds ridiculous, but you know, from a standpoint, and that's no disrespect, obviously to college coaches, they have a lot of work to do and they have a lot of things to worry about. Um, and obviously they have recruiting and things like that, but high school coaches have, you know, from second through 12th grade to kind of handle in their communities or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, so, so I think our mentorship program is really just trying to help coaches who are, you know, um, younger or just looking for some ideas that, that maybe we have or, um, you know, some maybe even some mistakes that we've made that we encourage them not to make. So, you know, I just think it's a, um, a really cool idea and, and something that we're hoping can, you know, reach some coaches out there. So since we're talking about mentoring, let, when you look back, let's look back at uh, young coach Delisio and and you're just getting started and now coach today gets to talk to coach from the past. What would you tell yourself? Um, well, how would you mentor yourself at this point if you were just getting into coaching? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say to really try to simplify what you want to do. Um, like I said a little bit before you really, when you become an assistant, um, and you're thinking about all these great things you want to do, you just can't do everything. And I think your focus has got to be on this, you know, the simplicity of everything. Um, I think that you need to, you know, like we mentioned before, you got to focus mostly on culture, mostly on the things that, um, don't always have to do with basketball. And, you know, if you can, if you can do those things, it's a great starting point for a program to get things headed in the right direction. Um, so I would tell my younger self that, that, you, you know, simplify culture, team, you know, all those things um, and probably tone it down a little bit. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it's definitely a formula that you've uh, y- you've created over the years and it, and it definitely works. And that's, you know, one of the things you brought up was, you know, starting in second grade. That's another great thing that uh, that happens uh, with your program. You're you're involved even on the girls' side. I know, like uh, the high school coaches are involved with the younger kids all the way down to, like you mentioned, second and third grade. Yeah, yeah. We we want to, um, you know, we just want to give our kids an opportunity to play and and then, um, you know, an opportunity to improve and and, and have fun really and, and just become basketball players if they, you know, if that's something that they hope to do. Um, we never want a kid in Olmstead Falls to to think like, boy. I'm I love basketball and I just don't have opportunities to play basketball. So, you know, we, um, Jordan Eden and I, our girls coach, we, you know, we have a, we have a small hand in our youth program as far as, you know, just providing those opportunities and, and really, you know, like we've talked about this whole podcast, just, um, 
making sure that the expectations and the messages and, and all the things that we believe in are, are down at the lower levels as well from, you know, to the players, to the parents, to the coaches of the youth programs. Um, Cause by the time they get to us in seventh grade, you know, a lot of those good or bads can be established. Um, so you want to make sure it's the goods for sure. Well, and that's what it takes to, you know, to form a culture like you have in Olmstead Falls. And now coach, Okay, this is going to be the last thing that we're going to do on this podcast. But I like to call this first things last. And you know, and like you said, you're you're with the kids a lot, right? I mean, you're, every team you coach, but I'm sure the kids don't know everything about you, right? And so I think this is an opportunity to let's coach up the kids one more time and uh I like to call this first things last. I'm going to give you a list of firsts. So we need to, to we, you know, it's going to be a little bit of rapid fire, but uh let's start with your first job. Oh, first job was working. I worked with my mom. Um my mom worked in a nursing home. And I, I went and worked with her, like in the maintenance department early on. <laughs> I was young. We'd go in the summers like a, a few days a week. And man, that opened my eyes to like the real world of going to work every day. So, yep, that's, that's what my first job was. How about your first car? My first car was a white Nissan Sentra. And, uh, well, maybe about, probably about a 1989 version. I don't know. I didn't have it till like my junior year in college. So, um, yeah, it took me a while to have my first car. Did it uh, have a sweet radio at least or a kicker box or something? Uh, it was pretty basic as basic gets, but that little thing, you know, it was one of those cars that's going to run until it's at like 180,000 miles. Yeah, exactly. How about your first pet? My first real pet was not till I got married and that was uh, a yellow lab that, that my wife and I got. Oh, and you still, do you still have? No. Well, we have a new yellow lab. Oh, so nice, yeah, nice. first one, first one passed away and we got our new one. So how about this first record CD or cassette you remember buying? You know, the CD I remember for sure. I mean, it was Pearl Jam and I was so pumped to get that thing. Um, and just to have a CD player was, was amazing. So Pearl Jam for sure. I think going back before that, I'm not sure about cassette. It might have been the Beastie Boys. I'm really going to date myself here with that. And record, I don't even really think that I remember buying a first record. I'd probably have to like defer to whatever my brother's records were as he's older than me. Yeah, well, I think everybody had license to ill back then. No so. doubt. No doubt. <laughs> like we all, we all had it. So yeah. I, how about this first concert? Uh, you know, I think it was Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, before Darius Rucker went, uh, you know, all country. Wow, look at you. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen Hootie a few times. How about yeah. first trip abroad? You know, um, besides Canada, uh, I think my first time out of the country was um, Dominican Republic for my honeymoon. Oh, well, that's a great place to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, so how about this? Do you remember the first movie you saw in a movie theater? I don't think I do, but I remember being young and going to see like Jaws, you know, at the movie theater and, you know, obviously getting scarred for life in the ocean <laughs> or at least, well, not for life, at least for the next like three years of going to the beach with my family. So, but I do remember seeing Jaws in the, in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
I same thing. I remember I remember being scarred by Jaws as well. How about this? Yeah. How about the first celebrity crush? Oh man, probably uh Candace Cameron, you know. Ah. When I was a kid and and you know and she was on uh Full House, right? Right, so, right. Yeah. So that's probably it. Well, Marsha Brady for me, so. Uh, <laughs> okay, how about this? Do you remember your first cell phone? I do. I do. Is uh, I think it's like a Motorola flip phone. You know. Yeah. yeah it was wicked at the time. I I could imagine you're probably uh, the envy of all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and here's the last one. And this is now this is back to present day. What's the first app you check every morning when you get up? Uh, probably CBS Sports, and I just check out scores from the last night. Yep, yeah, you're, I'm I'm the, I'm in the same boat. I was, I, and I'm a Twitter guy too, so it just seems like you get a little bit of everything on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But but that's great, Coach. I cannot thank you enough for for joining us today. Just such, you know, like I said, I have such a great respect for uh, for what you have built over there, and it's not just me. It's just everybody I talk to. I think uh, you're the best coach in that conference, and uh, I wish you all the luck. Um, you know, and I hope I hope you just can keep this going because to me, um, really, you've written the book on creating a great culture among a high school boys program. Well, I appreciate all your kind words, and you know, um, you know, we have a lot to be proud of. No, no program is perfect by any means, um, but hopefully, we're doing things the right way, and we're you know we're uh, you know somebody that's producing great kids. So. Um, but Dave, I just want to thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure and honor to be here. Well, thanks, Coach. And yeah, if you know a coach that's out there who's doing great things, winning games, building a great team culture at the same time, just like they're doing in Olmstead Falls, Ohio, I want to hear about him. You know, hey, we may, we may even ask him to be a future guest on the show. You can reach me on Twitter at courtsidepod number one on Twitter at courtsidepod one on Facebook and on Instagram also at courtside culture podcast you could also email the show at courtside culture podcast at gmail and remember folks coaches build up your players strengths find them all a role and you'll take them from good to great we will see you next time thank you for joining us on the courtside culture podcast and remember build the good in your players instead of Focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.